Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the services here at Grace Church at Franklin. We're located at 4052 Arno Road here in Franklin, Tennessee, just minutes south of Nashville. And we want to extend an invitation to all of you who may be watching by the internet on YouTube, Ustream, or Sermon Audio Video to come out and worship with us. We're located at 4052 Arno, A-R-N-O Road in Franklin, Tennessee. And as I say, about 15 minutes to 20 minutes south of Nashville, Tennessee. Be glad to have you come. We have Bible classes uh, at 10 o'clock, worship at 1045. Uh, Bible study on Tuesday evenings at 6.45, and we'll be glad to have you there in those classes as well. We're going to begin our worship this morning with some song, a song of uh, joy, a song of praising our Lord. Brother Joshua Waltz is going to lead us. Good morning, everybody. We are blessed. That's what we're going to start out with. Can y'all stand with me? <clears throat> and of course, we call this to mind every time we sing this. Why are we blessed? Not because of things or whatever else, because the Lord is our God. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. The Lord is our God, and we are blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the fields. We're blessed when we come and when we go. The fruit of our body, the fruit of our ground. Flesh shall be thy basket and thy store. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. The Lord is our God and we are blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed, we are blessed. The Lord is our God, and we are blessed. We're blessed in our business, we're blessed in our homes, we're blessed in our nights and in our days. We triumph over enemies, He hears us when we pray. The Lord directs and blesses all our ways. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed, we are blessed. The Lord is our God and we are blessed. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed, we are blessed. The Lord is our God and we are blessed. God is our Father, we are blessed. Jesus is our Savior, we are blessed. We're led by the Spirit. We are blessed. We are blessed, aren't we? I can't help but think about uh, what Brother Bill's teaching on with Joseph. You know, were they blessed? They're blessed because they had all the food in the famine, but they were really blessed because the Lord was their God. Because even in the famine, if the Lord is your God, you're blessed. Right? Amen. I think y'all can be seated, probably. You may be seated. Dr. Nelson Foster, who is one of our elders, is going to come and read the Word of God and lead us in a word of prayer. Dr. Foster. 
Good morning. I'm just going to read the first five verses of the 63rd Psalm. If I can get my eyes out of here. O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, this I have seen you, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Blessed because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Does this sound familiar? We sing this all the time. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Let's praise. Father, we come to you this morning once again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for being our God and our Father, for loving us, for all your many blessings to us. We thank you for this place that you've given us where we can come and study and hear your word. We do ask today, Father, that you might once again be pleased to bless our pastor as he breaks the bread of life to us and that you will bless in everything that we do. May the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in everything that we do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, if you'd like to use your hymnals, number 291 <clears throat> should be up on the board. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no mid 1700s looks like it well I think let's do one more before we have announcements good num number 500 in the hymnal 
Let's see here. If y'all want to stand on this one, we can do that. Because, I don't know, I don't like sitting down on these songs. <laughs> oh, that's right. Miss Lynn said, you can't. Well, get me a chair up here. I'll try. When the roll is called up yonder. <clears throat> I want to hear you shouting. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair When the saved on earth shall gather over on the other shore And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder when the road is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise, and the glory of His resurrection share. When His chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there All right. that's right we can praise the Lord how many of you thought that key was too high Did, was that too high for y'all some of you all right we were talking we were deliberating that's what it was written in but we'll do it lower next When the key is too high like that, I just sing a low harmony. <laughs> that way I don't have to reach those highs. I've already had three hernias, so I don't need another one. All right, Brother Todd Horton is going to come and let us know what's going on here. Good morning. I want to add my welcome to Josh's and say a welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us this morning. If you did not get an uh, opportunity to sign the register located in the foyer, we ask that you would do that as you depart today. We want to certainly continue to remember Lee Barton and his wife Judy as she ministers to her needs. I know they long to be here with us, and it can get awful lonely not hearing from, from anyone. So if you get an opportunity this week, give them a shout and just let them know that you're praying for them and if there's anything that you might do to help them. They haven't expressed any needs to this point, but you never know. So let's... Uh, continue to remember them. We also want to remember Ed Adamowitz. Glad to see you here today. <laughs> You're resuming treatment soon, is that right? Wednesday. Wednesday. Three more? 
All right, three more uh, chemo treatments this coming Wednesday. Let's be in prayer about that. <clears throat> Many of you also may have received an email from me about Howie Smith. Uh, he woke up a couple of mornings ago uh, throwing up blood. He went to the Naval Center Hospital, and they uh, treated him and, and, and sent him home to have a follow-up appointment with a general practitioner, a specialist kind of in in all things um, abdominal related, I guess. <clears throat> they said he might have gastritis or stomach ulcers. As you can imagine, uh, the stress of our military personnel right now is very high. Many have been deployed and many others are on standby and that could be contributing as well to this. So let's remember not only Howie, but all of those who are serving in our military. <clears throat> Joe and Beth are not here with us this morning. They're in West Tennessee attending a funeral of Buddy White. Uh, he and his family are very good friends, uh, very close friends of Beth, and he passed away after a long battle with cancer. So let's remember them and that family and also for Joe and Beth as they travel home. <clears throat> we also want to remember Shirley Murphy. I see that she's not here again today. She's still, I guess, having some issues with her respiratory system, so let's remember her. Also for Shannon Hazelwood's stepfather, Clyde Paragon, continue to lift him up with health problems. David Simmons, who has kidney cancer. Also, Carolyn Batt, Gladys Aquas, and her son, Paul Osborne, and his wife, Diane, and Shirley Murphy's sister, Brenda Fay. We certainly want to remember uh, Marie Dalton as well, and thankful that she's here, and continue to lift up uh, Sue Martin as well. We want to remind you of some upcoming things. The Ladies' Fellowship Soup and Salad Luncheon will be held at the church on November 14th from 11 to 1.30, hosted by Lynn and Sarah Saster. There should be a sign-up sheet, I believe, on the round table in the foyer. Also, Men's Fellowship will be held the same day, same time, but at this time at the home of Dave and Leslie Roberts at 525 Beeman Drive in Franklin. Again, men, if you plan to eat, uh, prepare and bring your own food. Also, we will not have a fellowship dinner in December. However, we, we do have a planned Christmas celebration covered fellowship meal here at the church on December the 16th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. We encourage you to join us for that. We also want to remind you that we do have Tuesday evening Bible studies each Tuesday at 645, and, and we're enjoying studies that our pastor is bringing there, so make plans to be with us. We also want to remind you that in lieu of the November Fellowship Dinner, we will have next Sunday the annual chili cook-off. That'll be at 4 p.m. at Bill and Lynn's Duck River House located on Riverview Road in Lewisburg. That's directly behind Henry Horton State Park. We are in a moderate drought condition here in Williamson County and, and severe drought from Franklin basically southwest, as is Marshall County, so we may not be able to have a bonfire uh, at that particular event, and if we need to move indoors, certainly we can do that, but plan accordingly just in case. <clears throat> also, it's beautiful today, as you know, and enjoy this high of 77 today because the next three days are not forecasted to get above 50 with temperatures below uh, freezing, so be mindful of that. <clears throat> Finally, we want to encourage you that even though we're not having uh, fellowship dinner next Sunday, it is the first Sunday of the month, and we will observe the Lord's Supper, and we ask that you would come and join us for that as well. Thank you. I'm supposed to say something about the, about the chili cook-off. I'm going to make Trace come up here, too, because he's the one that works on the yards, and he does all the work out there, he and Sarah. 
and it's his venue now. I'm turning it over to him. Right. Almost, yeah. <laughs> and so um, somehow we always we we set the rules for the show. Somehow Sarah and I always get the setting of the rules for the chili cook-off. So this year, what we're going to do is every everyone's going to get a vote. Yeah. So normally, the people that don't bring chili, I ask them, I say, you know, you be the judges. Yeah. I, f I feel like that's fair. But so, you guys are all late. But so this year, <laughs> this year, everyone's going to get a vote. You don't have to eat all the chili, just like the ones you like, to write down your top three. They can handle that. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. We ought to go on the road. Does all that right, seem now, fair? I thought you guys would like now, that. Um, Ashley, that was the winner last year, sorry to say. But anyway, she's, she said she'd help me this year. She's not going to, you might bring, you're not going to put your chili in, are you? But the only thing she, is, it's she is. You, you are, you're not voting on it. <laughs> well, I, I say if you bring your, if you, to me, if you make a chili and bring it and you think yours is the best, just vote, vote it. No, you cannot no? vote for your own chili. You can't, you, I don't know about that. Yes, no, you cannot vote for your you, own chili. I'm the founder of this. I, <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. Y'all be there. You'll have fun. We're going to have a hayride if it doesn't rain. We've got bonfire if it does rain. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and we're allowed to, Todd. We're not and hayride, are we doing a hayride? Yeah. yeah. John we're says we're doing a hayride. hayride. He's bringing all the bonfire stuff. So I'm excited about it. Y'all bring enough chili, bring your desserts, bring s'mores, bring all that kind of stuff, okay? Y'all know, you know how to play, don't you? Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's do it. Let's have a big blowout. <laughs> I'm going to try to put out uh, some little slips like we did last year to give you directions to that house because although the address is Lewisburg, the house is a half a mile out of Chapel Hill. It's, it's, it's eight miles from Lewisburg, but when you cross the Duck River, you get a Lewisburg zip code. So I'll give you, hopefully, some slips we'll put out for those of you who have not been out there so you'll be able to find it, and we hope everybody will come and attend. Whenever we think about going to be with the Lord, uh, I've heard all kinds of songs about I'm going to be next to Jesus, and I'm going to be standing here and standing there. And I think a lot of times those kinds of songs to me uh, are not biblical. I think the place to be in heaven is at the feet of Christ, at his feet. So this is, this is a song entitled, Look for Me at Jesus' Feet. I hope you will enjoy it. Okay. If I leave this world of sorrow Sometime before you do Yes, look for me in glory And we'll talk 
What if at first you fail to see me? Let me tell you where I'll be. I'll be praising Christ, my Savior, for saving a wretch like me. Don't look by the gates of streets of gold Don't look by the walls of jasper Nor among the many sights untold Oh, I've been longing and waiting I've been waiting for the dear Holy One to see and there I'll be through the countless pages look for me Holy one. 
Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 45, and while you're turning, let me take this opportunity to welcome all of you visiting with us today, and I hope that you'll make yourself available, if you can, to study with us on Tuesday evening. Now, this Tuesday will be Halloween is Coming. Lynn and I thought about doing a special song for you today. Halloween is coming, Halloween is coming, skeletons will be after you. But we decided not to do that. Now you might be out with the witches and the goblins, but I'm going to be here with the Word of God. So if you want to come and worship with us, we're going to be here at 6.45 to 7.30. And we're going to study, have our third study in the E in grace, G-R-A-C-E, goodness, righteousness, atonement, covenant, and election, as well as everyone who is thirsty. We'll be glad to have you with us, 645, Tuesday evening to 730. Genesis chapter 45, beginning now in verse 9. Joseph is speaking now to his brothers, and he said, Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, delay not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that you have. And there will I nourish you, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that you have come to poverty." And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaks unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you've seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father here. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. May the Lord add his blessings on the reading of his word, and let God's people say praise the Lord, and you may be seated. I'm taking today's study from this phrase that Joseph used 
he said to, he said, when you go down to my father, you say to him, thus saith thy son Joseph. Thus saith thy son Joseph. Now you should know by now how old Joseph is. He became the governor of Egypt when he was 30 years old. 30 years old is very important in the scripture. You know how old the Lord Jesus was when he appeared at Jordan River to be baptized of John the Baptist? He was 30 years old. Do you know how old a man had to be before he could serve full time in the priesthood? He trained from the time he was born, but he couldn't serve full time in the priesthood until he was 30 years old. They retired them from full-time service when they were 50 years of age. So 30 years old is important. Joseph became the governor of Egypt when he was 30 years old. Now, he is now 39 years old. How do we get that? Well, we had seven years of blessing and we had two years of famine. And that's what he says right here to his brothers. He says there are yet five years, verse 11, there are five years of famine left. So he's 39 years old. And of course, I'm saying these things. I know I repeat a lot, and I do that on purpose because there are people who are tuning in by the Internet, and there are people who are visiting with us who don't know where we've been. So I want to set the stage each week. His brother, Judah, gave a heart-rending intercession on behalf of Benjamin. That was in the last chapter. And it broke the heart of Joseph. And so Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. We looked at that last week. And he told them in verse 3, I'm Joseph. Does my father yet live? And they were so terrified, we read there, that they couldn't answer him. The man they thought was an Egyptian was their brother. The brother they sold to some Ishmaelites 25 years ago is Lord of the house of Pharaoh and a ruler, according to verse 8, over the land of Egypt. Now, of course, they thought we're dead men. But Joseph says in verse 4, there are many themes here that picture our Lord Jesus Christ. One of them is the compassion and the love of Joseph. He said, come near. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Verse 4, when he said, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, they knew that he must really be their brother because who else would have known about their evil and ungodly deed and the lie that they had lived and kept up for 25 years. So surely they thought their lives were over, that they would be imprisoned or executed. But then wonder of wonders, the governor calmed their fears. We looked at all of this last week, verses 5 through 8. And he said, God did send me before you to preserve life. Verse 5, 
God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity, to save your lives by great deliverance. Verse 7. So he says, no matter what you did, it was not really you that sent me here. Verse 8. But it was God. And as we saw in our last study, Joseph quickly and succinctly explained the 25 years of history with one little phrase that I used. He said, God did it. He said, he used you, but he did it. He used me, but he did it. He used Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. He used a butler and a baker. He even used Pharaoh, but it was all brought to pass by the God of heaven and earth according to his eternal purpose and for our good, the good of God's children, and for his glory. And that, my friends, of course, is the story behind the ebb and flow of human history. God did it. Who created the world? God did it. Who destroyed the world with a flood? God did it. Who sent Jesus in the fullness of time, made of a woman, made under the law? God did it. Who gave Jesus over to the hands of wicked men to be crucified and slain? Listen to this from Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That word foreknowledge happens to be prognosis, and it means, it means there a prearrangement. He was delivered by the determinate prearrangement, the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And those wicked men will be held accountable, but they nevertheless, in their wickedness and in their blindness and in their ignorance, carried out the sovereign will of God. Who brought Jesus up from the grave? God did it. He went on to say, you have crucified and slain whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So Joseph sum up, summed up the history with that little phrase, God did it all, even involving the wickedness of his ten brothers. And that was the revelation that he gave to his awestruck brothers that there's purpose in everything in life. There is a reason for everything in life. Listen to me now. There's a reason for everything in life, and it is a divine reason. Now, it's easy for us to amen that until we are having some trouble. And some of you here today have had some trouble in your lives. Some of you have had some health problems. Some of you have had some family problems. Some of you have maybe had some economic problems. But let me tell you this. There is purpose in everything in life. There is a reason, a divine reason. One of my favorite little poems that was sent me years ago by a friend of mine says this. For every pain we bear, for every sorrow and every care, there is a reason. For every falsehood that is said, for every teardrop that is shed, there is a reason. For every grief, for every trial, for every lonely mile, there is a reason. We will trust our God as we should, 
and all will work for our good because our God is the reason. Joseph was the word of God to his brothers. Joseph was God's messenger to his brothers. Joseph was God's intercessor for his entire family. Joseph was their savior. Not only did the Lord use him to save them, but to reveal to them the reason behind all that had happened. He gave them an understanding by saying, it was not you who sent me, but it was God who did it. Now, now that he has saved them from the famine, now that he has delivered them from the famine, is there anything for them to do? Are they just going to say, thank you, Joseph? We're glad everything worked out good. Everything's great. We'll go home and tell Daddy. No, there are things for them to do. And my friends, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we come to him to believe on him, to ask him to have mercy upon us and to save us, not only now, but when the great judgment comes, the Bible speaks of our salvation in three tenses. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. We shall be saved from the very presence of sin. If one has been saved, one is being saved. One is being saved, one shall be saved. On the great day when God has all human beings and the whole world before him, and the sheep and the goat and the wise and the foolish and the wheat and the tares, those who belong to him will be saved, and the others will be punished. There is a salvation now, however, Paul wrote to some of the believers and he said, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Have you ever read that in the Bible? What in the world did he mean? Well, he means you've been saved. How are you saved now? You're saved through faith. You say you believe God. You say you believe him. You say you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then by faith, you say, he has promised that if I believe him, he has saved me. I'm telling you the truth. That's all the proof you have. That is only, the only reason you have to believe that you are safe is because he promised. That is all we have. People talk about signs and wonders and all of those things, but all we have is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ who promised. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life to that house. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That is, will never experience eternal death. We have the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe him. We trust him. 
Now, he reveals himself to us just as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. And now he gives them some instructions, and this is what I'm getting at. When the Lord Jesus Christ saves us, he is also calling us into his service. We're called to serve him. We are not called just to be saved from hell and then sit on the sidelines. We're called to serve him. This is what Joseph is going to do now with his brothers. He has given them an understanding of what has happened. God did it. And now he's going to give them some marching orders. This is exactly what the Lord does. He reveals himself to us. He saves us. He teaches us about ourselves and about him. He gives us faith that we might believe on him. He grants us repentance that we might with all of our hearts turn from the world and from sin. And then he gives us some marching orders. You notice the first thing Joseph says to his brothers here in verse 9, he said, haste ye. He said, you don't have time now to be looking around the streets of Egypt. You don't have time. I don't know where they were. I don't know if they were in Cairo or where they were, but wherever they were, he said, you don't have time to be going and buzzing around the, uh, the various markets and going to the cafes and going to all that because, you see, Joseph knows something that nobody else knows. He knows that there are five more years in that famine. And people are just buzzing up and down and doing what they want to do and marrying and giving in marriage and going to work, going home. And people say, well, um, uh, have you told anybody about uh, the, the Lord this week? Well, no, I haven't, but I plan to do that. Who's playing this afternoon? That's, that's about the way it is in America. We know who's playing in the World Series. We know who's playing football. We know more of the statistics of yards gained and touchdowns scored than we know about the Word of God. And this entire nation is right now before our eyes is crumbling. And it's crumbling because it has no foundation to stand upon. The Scripture says if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation of this nation has been the Word of God. It doesn't mean that everybody in this nation was a Christian, but it does mean that the principles by which this society operated were based upon the Word of God. And I want to tell you this morning, I am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but there's a lot going on right now, a lot going on in the Middle East over there. Might get, uh, might get Iran involved, might get Russia involved, might get China involved, might get some other nations involved. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. We can't keep doing what we're doing here in this nation and passing off the things we're passing off and doing what we're doing here and remain as strong as we've been in the, in the past. We can't do that. The foundations are crumbling right before our eyes, the economic foundations. We can't continue to print this money like it's play money, and you not suffer for it. You're going to suffer for it. You're not going to be able to buy the food you want because it's going to be too expensive. Maybe there'll be a scarcity of food. My friends, our, our foundation, our strength, 
our glory, our power in the United States of America is not in our military. It is not in our technology. It is in the God who made this nation great. And if that God is deserted by the, by the nation, he will desert the nation. The scripture says, all nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. So the first thing Joseph says to his brothers is, don't waste any time. Haste ye. He says that in uh, verse 9. He, he begins the verse with haste ye, and he ends the verse with tarry not. Don't delay. The emphasis is we have to move now because we've got five more years of famine coming. Jesus has told us what's coming down the road. Whether it's going to come in this generation or not, I don't know. <laughs> but suppose you live for a hundred years. What is that? Suppose he doesn't come in the next hundred years. Well, he may not come here in a hundred years, but most of you that are here today, even including the young people, will be going to him within a hundred years. What is that? That's a very brief, brief time. Joseph said, we got five years. We got to get moving. I say, we don't know how much time we have. We got to get moving. We got to get the word of God out, the gospel out. We've got to say something to our friends and to our families and to our children. We've got to begin to take seriously hearing and studying the word of God. Let me say this to you moms and dads. The very best way for you to teach your children, the very best way that I know of, the most biblical way, because that's the way that's always been done, is this. First, bring them to worship with you. They're not going to understand everything that I'm preaching and teaching here, but when you get home, you quiz them. You ask them, what did the pastor say? What did we learn today? Who did we study? Who is Joseph? Who are his brothers? What did they do? Quiz them. Ask them. Go over these things with them. That's the best way for them to learn. We can't spiritualize them in 30 or 40 minutes of Sunday school or in an hour of worship when they have all week long to learn everything else. It's up to you, mom and dad, to teach your children. All right, now, secondly, he says you ought to be witnesses to your families. Look at verse 9. Go up to my father. Now, you have to remember that it's not only his father back there in Canaan. It's their wives. It's their children. It's their whole nation of Israel. So he's saying, when he says, go to my father, he's saying, you go back to the families. Go back to your own uh, families and the people and be witnesses to them. We are told to go into all the families of the earth and preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's tell them about our Joseph. What's the source of our courage? What is the source of our courage? What is our message here? Well, it's our Joseph. When we think upon the exaltation of our Joseph, we should be encouraged. Notice verse 9. Verse 9. Go up and say to my father, Thus saith thy son Joseph. That is an authoritative statement. But that's not nearly as authoritative as thus saith the Son of God, Jesus. We have the same thing, but we have more authority than Joseph. He says, 
I am your son. I am your brother. I am the one God sent here to prepare for the famine. I will be the one that the Lord will use to save you. Go to your families. Our Joseph is the son of God. He is the son of Jacob. Jacob's son, Jesus, is God's son. Then he says in verse 8, to encourage them. I'm sorry, not verse 8. He says in, in, uh, let's see what I'm looking for here. I think I'm behind where I'm supposed to be. He says in verse 8, yes, it is verse 8. So now... It was not you that sent me here, but God, and watch this, he has made me a father to Pharaoh. He has made me Lord of all his house. He has made me a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That that should encourage his brothers to do what he has commanded them to do. He's made me a Pharaoh to, a, a father to Pharaoh. When the disciples asked Jesus, show us the Father, he kept talking about the Father. He said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father, John chapter 14 and verse 9. The Son is the ordained and perfect manifestation of the Father. He is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. All that can be seen of the Father is seen in the Son, revealed in the Son. And what Joseph is saying here is nobody but nobody can come into the personal presence of Pharaoh without going through me. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. I am handling all of his affairs. There's nothing in Pharaoh's house that's not handled by me. He was made Lord, he says in verse 8, over Pharaoh's house. The word Lord here is the Hebrew word Adon, and it means superintendent. Well, Jesus is Lord over God's house, whose house we are if we are in him. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 11, says that we are the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the new covenant house the house in which Christ dwells, the house which by the work of the Spirit of Christ has the mind of Christ and the new covenant laws of Christ in it, the house all of whose inhabitants are, know the Lord, all know the Lord that are in this house, the house over which Christ is the high priest, Hebrews 10, 21. And Joseph said, I'm, I'm Lord over Pharaoh's house, and Jesus is Lord over God's house. And Joseph said, I am the ruler. And that's a Hebrew word, mashal. And it means I'm the one who has dominion. I'm the ruler in Pharaoh's house. I have the dominion in Pharaoh's house. Whatever I say goes, whatever I prohibit cannot be done. Nothing was done but that Joseph was the doer of it in Pharaoh's house. And the scripture says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he told his disciples when he sent them into the world, Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Jesus our Lord has promised that he will be with us as we bear witness for him. Joseph was ruler in one nation. Jesus is ruler of all nations. Next, Joseph bids his family come to him. That's verses 9 and 10. At the last part of verse 9, you go to my father and go to all your wives and all your children, and you tell them, come down to me and don't tarry. Verse 10, you will dwell in the land of Goshen, which was the best of the land in all of Egypt. Then you'll be near to me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. You got the picture? Joseph said, I want you down here. I want you near me. I'll know what you're doing. I'll be able to take care of you. He bids his family to come to him. I will take care of you during the famine. Verses 10 and 11. So I ask you, do you have trouble? Go to Jesus. He bids you come to him. There is food in him. There is the bread of heaven in him and the water of life in him. Go to him. He is everything that we need in this world and in the world to come. And he says, you'll have the best. He says, you'll dwell in the best land. Goshen was a, was a favored land. You can read about that in Genesis 46. The best land in Egypt. He says, you'll be near me, verse 10. When we come to Christ, we are as near to God as we can be. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw nigh to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The place of blessing is to draw near to the Lord. We have a high priest over the house of God, so let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Hebrews chapter 10. And then he says, I'll nourish you and I'll sustain you in verse 11 through all the years of the famine. There are five years of the famine left, he says. Only one person is able to supply the food during the famine. And my friends, this world is undergoing a famine not of bread and water yet, but of hearing the word of God. There are some places in this earth uh, having a famine of bread and water, but in, so far in the United States, we have more than we can eat. I was in a restaurant the other day, and I said to a person who works in that restaurant, my goodness alive, I said, I don't think I'll order just give me what those folks left on their table. Unbelievable. And they, they have to throw that away, most of it, throw it away. We, we're, th we're throwing it to the, to, the, to the garbage trucks. And much of the world, they don't have adequate food. There's a famine of hearing the word of the Lord, Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Now we are beginning to enter into the worst years of the spiritual famine, that is upon this Christ-hating generation, the time of a great falling away, spoken of by the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when the world will be given over to the power of the wicked one, the world will be given over to deception and to unrighteousness in them that are perishing, because they will not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And the Bible says, for this cause, let's tell you what let's do. Let's turn over to that passage instead of me quoting it to you. We'll come back to Genesis 45. It's 2 Thessalonians 
All of the New Testament books that begin with T are grouped together. You can look in the table of contents of your Bible and find out where Thessalonians is. There are two epistles to the Thessalonians, and we're looking now at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. A letter had been circulated. Paul was saying that the coming of Christ had already come. And he's writing to say, no, he hasn't come yet. Verse 1 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto him, don't be shaken up in your mind, don't be troubled, not by spirit, not by word, and not by a letter from us. We haven't written any such thing that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now that's what we are beginning to experience now, this great falling away, where people are throwing off any fear of God, saying that anything and everything should be accepted. All lifestyles must be considered as normal and good. Let people do what they want to do. Let them be what they want to be. Let everybody have what they want to have. That's the beginning of a falling away. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, here's, here's what I, I said this two weeks ago. It's not that I'm against certain groups. It's that I'm for the Word of God. I'm going to stand for the Word of God. And it is God who made us, and it is God who determines what is good and what is bad for us. And so we have people now who are absolutely spilling over and glorying in their shame. The Scripture says that the time would come when men will be boastful and glorying in what they ought to be ashamed of. And now they're making people who are, quote, normal folks, they're making you embarrassed and making you feel ashamed because you don't approve of them and their lifestyle. Am I right? I think I am. I think I'm right. Unless I'm living somewhere else. He says, don't let anybody deceive you. There must come a falling away first. And he says, that falling away will reveal a man of sin. Now, some people believe that's an independent one person. Some people believe that it's a general attitude of all men. It doesn't matter. There's going to come a falling away first. And then whoever this man is or whatever he is, he's going to oppose, verse 4, and he's going to exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God will sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember, Paul says in verse 5, when I was with you, I told you about these things? Now, he said, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening now. Verse 7, he says, the mystery. Now, this is, there's a mystery about iniquity. We don't know how Lucifer sinned against God. People say, well, if God created a perfect world and all of that, how did Lucifer sin? I don't know. <laughs> but I know this. I know that there's sin in this world. And I know that there are wicked people in this world, and they seem to be getting more wicked. And they seem to be getting more sinful. 
and they're becoming more unashamed of things that they should be embarrassed about. So he says, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of lawlessness, that's the word that's translated here, iniquity in the King James, it is the word for lawlessness. The mystery of lawlessness is already working. Only he who now permits it will permit it until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked one be revealed. Now the wicked, word wicked is capitalized, showing that it's probably a person, or at least a group of people led by a person. Then shall the wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and he shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. That is, this person will be empowered by Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. He will do things that will be seem miraculous. Watch this now. And with all deceivableness, verse 10, and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. It's not that they didn't hear the truth, they didn't love the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause, God, it's, we're back to God did it again. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. It'll be as plain as day that this is a lie, but they, got, they want that more than they want the Word of God, more than they want Christ, more than they want to bow to Him, more than they want to come to Him. So they're going to believe a lie. And it says that they all might be damned. Verse 12, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Well, how is it, Paul, that some of us are not following that? Well, he says, verse 13, we're bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Through sanctification of the Spirit, that is, the Spirit calls you to faith. That's what sanctification of the Spirit is. He calls you to faith and belief of the truth. Whereunto, verse 14, he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, this is why every time I take a text in the Bible, I try to tell you what that text is teaching practically, but I also try to show you how it reveals Christ. Because Christ must be seen, he must be believed, he must be trusted for us to be saved. And if we don't see him, and if we don't hear about him, if all we're hearing about is how to have this, that, and the other, and how to get around with this, that, and the other, we're not going to be hearing about Christ. And he tells us here, he says, there's going to come a great falling away. And certainly I can see people falling away now in this world, and especially here in the United States of America. We're beginning to enter into the worst years of the famine that's upon this earth. Never has it been worldwide in the sense and to the degree of wickedness that it is at this very hour. 
and there are people who are being deceived, there are people who are believing a lie, and they're going to be damned because they did not believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now listen, and I'll close this message this morning. Joseph said, you go down there and you get my family and you bring them back up here. You bring them back up here and I'm going to put them in the best land. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to see that they're fed. I'm going to see that they're protected. I'm going to see that they have everything they need to survive this famine. And you will have everything you need to survive whatever famine there is and whatever famine there is coming if you abide in Christ and if you feed on him who is the bread of life and drink him who is the water of life. You'll have everything you need, I promise you. He'll make it work out. He'll make it work out. But without him, you just trust in your own ingenuity and the stock markets and the money markets and the other things that we have out here that we've all invested in. We're just trusting in those things. And people will be saying right up to the very day of judgment, just like they did in Noah's day, they'll be saying, These old, this old fool here that built this ark, he's been working on this ark for 120 years. Somebody sent my wife a cartoon. It had two dinosaurs. And the dinosaurs were looking at the ark, and the door was just shut. And the dinosaurs said something to each other like this. Oh, you mean today is that day? Today is that day? People are going to be doing everything they're doing now. They're not going to be looking for the Lord. In an hour, such as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. That's what the Scripture said. Here's what I want you to see. Joseph said, you get my family, you bring them up here, I'm going to take care of them. Everybody who stayed in Canaan, everybody who would not hear Joseph, everybody who wouldn't come to Joseph, everybody who wouldn't believe Joseph, died in the famine. There are five more years of famine, he said. It's going to get much worse. And those people who wouldn't believe him, who wouldn't come, they all perished in the famine. Jesus has told us what is coming. I believe him. I think he is saying exactly what Joseph said to his brothers. Haste ye and tarry not in verse 9. Come down to me in verse 9. I will nourish you in verse 11. There are more years of the famine coming, far worse than is now. And then Joseph gave them undeniable proof. Look at verse 12. He said, your eyes see... And the eyes of my brother Benjamin, you see with your own eyes and hear with your own ears that it's my mouth that's speaking to you. Now, if you need any more proof than that, <laughs> it's me. I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold. But God sent me, and I'm willing to save you even though you sent me, even though you denied me, even though you lied, even though you sinned against me, I'm willing to save you. But you do what I tell you to do. You go down there and get my family. And you get them up here. Because I'm going to save them. Jesus has told us, tarry not. Come down to me. I'll nourish you. More famine's coming. Going to get worse. 
He said the same thing Joseph said. I've told you. Your eyes see. Your eyes hear. My mouth speaks to you in, the, in the, my word, my written word. Just as Joseph's brother saw and feared him, the apostles saw and heard Jesus. Here's what John wrote, and I'll close with this. This is written by the same John that wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. He wrote this in 1 John chapter 1. Sounds a lot like what Joseph says right here. Your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, verse 12, it's my mouth to speaking unto you. Now, when you, when you go back and you, my family, you can say, now look, I'm not telling you what somebody else told me. I'm telling you what I saw. I saw Joseph. He's not dead. He's the governor. He's the one that's in charge of all the food. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard his voice. He, he revealed himself to us. That's the way we need to be about this world. And here's what it says in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, we have seen it, and we bear witness, and we show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. All these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. That's exactly what the apostle said, the same thing Joseph said. And look at this, lastly, back in Genesis 45. He has told us what to do. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. And you tell my father all, you tell my, your, my father and your wives and your children and everybody else, you tell them of all that you've seen. And you haste, you hurry up and you bring them down here. He has told them what to do. And then he has assured them of his forgiveness. And this is what we have. Verse 14 and 15. He fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. See, Benjamin didn't have anything to do with selling him. Benjamin was at home. It was those ten brothers that sold him. And then it says, verse 15, Moreover, he kissed all his brothers, and he wept upon them, and after that, his brothers talked with him. They relaxed a little bit and talked with him. <laughs> what is he doing here? He's assuring them that he has forgiven them. How is it that we can forgive people? How is it that we can forgive people? Well, you know, I could just simply say because the Lord tells us to. But let me give you this example. How is it that we can forgive people? Yesterday, Lynn and I left yesterday morning to go to Dalton, Georgia. And we wanted to go to Dalton because our old friend Gary Scott who recently lost his wife. Also, he had a stroke. And many people who knew Gary, Gary has pastored six or eight churches 
I used to call him the Methodist because he never stayed anywhere more than two years. <laughs> well, Gary, the, the church down there in Dalton, Georgia, that he was pastor of longer than any other church. He pastored that church twice. He was there for about 12, 14, 15 years. He left and came back for another several years. They wanted to have a, a get-together to let him know how much they still loved him because they couldn't go to the memorial service. It was in Kansas City when his wife died. So Lynn and I were going to that get-together. Uh, it's only about a three-and-a-half-hour drive from here to Dalton, Georgia, just across the border. We got about uh, 10 miles out of Chattanooga, and the traffic was stopped. And it was stopped for a couple of hours. And so I called and I told Gary and I told Dave Williams, who comes here to this church. Dave recently has had some serious surgery. He's doing well. And I called and I told Gary what would happen. I said, Gary, Lynn and I were on the way down here. We're ready to be there, but we're never going to be there in time. And so I just want you to know we love you. We wish you well. We're praying for you and so on. And he thanked me. And then when we got off the phone, I said, I told Lynn, I said, hey, you know who we're close to? He said, who? I said, Bryce Bollinger. I said, Bryce is right up there in Covenant College there, that beautiful building up there, see. So I called Bryce, and I said, hey, this is Bill and Lynn Sasson. We're down here at the bottom of, probably the bottom of the mountain here, coming up on an exit. There's a cracker barrel and a bunch of other things. He said, I know right where it is. I go down there and eat all the time. <laughs> I said, well, are you doing anything today? I figured you'd be watching football games and all that. No, we're going to do something like that tonight, he said, but not today. I'm not doing anything. I said, well, if you come down, we'll treat you some lunch. So he came down, and we spent a good hour with Bryce and had a great conversation with him and talked about some real serious things. And I told Lynn, I said, this was God's purpose for us today. His purpose was, uh, well, for us was to talk to Bryce and not to go down and be able to see Gary in person, though that's what we wanted. There is, a, there is a passage in the Bible that says, man proposes and God disposes. And so here's what I'm saying to you. Joseph was able to forgive his brothers because he knew that God had brought all this to pass. And if you believe that God has brought things to pass, then whatever people have done to you, whatever circumstances there have been that have not been good for you, just remember that if you're looking to Christ, it is somehow for your good. It's for your good, and it's for His glory. And if you can learn to do that, if you can put your head on the pillow of God's sovereignty, you'll be able to get through everything in life, regardless of what comes your way. You can say, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. I don't understand what is going on. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I planned. But somehow, Father, this is for your glory, and it's for my good. And I'm going to trust you in it. That's exactly how Joseph got through that with his brothers. May the Lord add his blessings on his word. Let's stand together. Are there any of you here today who have not personally looked to Christ and trusted Christ and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be saved? This is the hour of 
salvation, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now, I'm not going to uh, ask you to come down to the front or anything like that, but I am going to say this. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you should confess him. And if you confess him, you should be baptized. You should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the New Covenant, New Testament way of confessing him. Of course, there's a confessing with your mouth. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. We don't want to be ashamed of Christ. Baptism does not save us, but it pictures how he saves us. By his life his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what we see in baptism. That's what you're doing when you're baptized. You're saying, I believe in the life, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And he's now seated in the heavens, seated up there just like Joseph was in Egypt. And he's saying, you do what I tell you, and you're going to get through the famine. If you don't, you're going to perish. I hope the Lord will work in your heart and bring you to trust in him and to be willing to confess him. He said, he that is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek of the Gentile. May the Lord help you to look to him. Let's sing under the blood of Jesus. Under the blood of Safe in the shepherd's fold Under the blood of Jesus Safe while the aged Under the blood of Jesus, I am secure in Him. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord make His face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord work in you that which is His will, that He might work every good work in you to bless you, and to save you, and to keep you. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for his sake. Amen.